Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jeremy Goodwin. We're talking about children's mental health in a pandemic. There's been an increase in the number of young people who are landing in emergency rooms and psychiatric wards lately. Joining me on the phone to talk about it is Dr. Rachel Charney. She's Slucare Pediatric Emergency Medicine Physician at SSM Health Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. Dr. Charney, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So when we talk about more young people experiencing different forms of mental distress, what are we talking about? What, what exactly is going up right now? So what we're seeing is a combination of more children presenting to the emergency department, as well as more children needing inpatient psychiatric care. How much of an increase are we talking about? Well, I don't have exact figures at this time. Missouri's been trying to gather those. Um, enough that we're starting to have problems finding enough beds for kids. Is that an, an unusual situation? It's not a typical situation. Um, behavioral health beds in general can be hard to obtain for children, but we're noticing a particular shortage lately. Okay. Are those metrics that tend to fluctuate over time? There are certainly variations over time, things like holidays and, and changes from school tend to impact the number of behavioral health problems we see in the emergency departments. Have you seen times when broadly sweeping current events wind up affecting things like emergency room visits, suicide rates, the kinds of things you're keeping your eye on? Certainly there can be, um, particularly if someone in uh, a school has had a particularly noticeable hard time. Things can can cause problems for other, other students, et cetera. However, what we've seen in the last few months with COVID has been somewhat unprecedented. In terms of general societal impact or what you're seeing on the mental health end with children? Well, general societal impact on kids. Um, kids are used to having a fairly set social structure, and all of a sudden the structures are just missing. And as a result, a combination between that and difficulty accessing care at this point due to COVID causing problems with outpatient visits, I think the combination has uh definitely led to that rise that we're seeing. We've heard about um, the difficulty in maybe having an elective surgery go forward or people are putting off the kinds of medical appointments they might have been catching up with. Does that, is, does that filter out into the mental health world too? I think it certainly does. The mental health world is one where we've seen a drastic increase in our ability to do telemedicine across the board, not just in mental health. And that's certainly a field that plays really well into the mental health uh, uh, role as far as being able to reach people at home and other places. However, that's a big change in technology. And, and overall, I think the general visits that people have been able to obtain on an outpatient basis have not been as, as high as they were before COVID. Hmm. Well, for people with children or teenagers in their lives, um, what are some warning signs that, that something might be wrong? So some of the biggest warning signs you can see are behavior changes in your kids. So moods that you don't normally see, changes away from relationships and from activities that kids usually enjoy, um, changes in their weight and eating patterns, changes in their sleeping patterns, um, difficulty for kids and memory thinking and concentration. And then in, a lot of times things will show in increases in risky behavior like drugs or alcohol use. And then the most important thing to try and figure that out with your kid is, is to engage them in regular conversations to check in and see how they're feeling. And I imagine, I mean, we're all going through so much right now, and a lot of people's behaviors are probably, people are doing some acting in some unusual ways. And I, I would imagine it might be 
difficult to identify is is this sort of the normal swings we're all going through or is is this child really having a problem and, and needing needing to address it Exactly. And that's where talking to your pediatrician or calling one of the uh, helplines that we have set up for families around the area can help determine if this is just typical for your teen and, and fits within a realm of things that can be managed on an outpatient basis, or if there's more intervention that needs to be done to support your, your child. Mm. So you mentioned keeping in good touch with, with the, your child. Say some kind of a red flag goes off about how your child or child you interact with might be coping with things right now. You want to reach out. What's what's a good way to, to start a conversation? Well, if you're trying to start a conversation with your um, with your child, I think just continue to be just ask open ended questions and give them that time. If we start talking about conversations with with how to obtain that assessment and help, I think your pediatrician is always your best resource. Um, they know your child, they know your family, and they can often be your first step. In terms of approaching a child, you mentioned open-ended questions. So things like, how are you feeling? Yeah, I think a lot of us, when we tend to interview or try and, and ask more questions about how someone's doing, it's really easy to not give that amount of space for someone to, to speak and to share. Some, it's sometimes we, we're tempted to just keep asking pointed, specific questions. And I think asking a question and giving a child plenty of time to answer you back and just focusing on listening is sometimes a good way of initiating a conversation with your child. Yeah. Is there anything we want to be sure not to say? I think trying to assume how your child is feeling or to tell them that they shouldn't be feeling that way or in other ways, other ways to, to just not justify their, their feelings is probably a good way of making sure your child doesn't continue to talk to you. What's your day-to-day life on, in this field? Um, well, I work in an emergency department, so I see kids of all sorts, kids with traumatic injuries, kids with sickness, kids with behavioral health uh, concerns, and combinations of those things. So it's something that we screen for diligently on every child that comes in the emergency department for any signs of any mental health concerns as well as whatever they're coming in for. Um, and then we take care of those kids uh, to, in the best way that we can. Mm. You mentioned Missouri's trying to get a, a handle on some of these statistics. Is, is this something that folks like you are basically seeing on the front lines and starting to report out um, that people might not quite know about yet? Well, certainly our awareness of this started because the children's hospitals across the state are keeping in close communication with each other, um, not just because of behavioral health, but about COVID in general. And so part of that is just looking at what is causing increased elevations and where we have what's called surge. Um, And we, we identified in the last few weeks that it was becoming a pattern that we were all seeing a surge in patients and increased um, needs in our emergency departments and hospitals for behavioral health concerns in kids. And that's where all of that started. Sometimes that's where we notice things first is just in those conversations that are really important. Mm. And you said that's in recent weeks? Uh, It's certainly become a focus for us in the recent weeks. We've known from the beginning of COVID that this situation was likely to bring out uh, behavioral health concerns. Any type of disaster is likely to cause behavioral health concerns in the community that's impacted from it. Um, so we knew that kids being home and with parents who are having struggles with job transitions and job loss, that this was a time we were very likely to see this. So we've put things into place ahead of time. Um, but certainly those numbers are something that we've really been focusing on the last few weeks and how we can try and um, mitigate that situation and try and put more things in place to help our kids out. 
Dr. Charney, how are medical professionals like yourself dealing with this right now? How are things going? Um, I think this has been hard on all of us. Um, we've had to come up with plans and ways of managing things that we haven't had to do before. We've had to really face the the realization that our own personal health could be at risk, our lives could be at risk as well, which, um, you know, it's always something in the back of your head as a physician, but it isn't always quite as in the forefront as we've seen here. And we see our colleagues struggling. We know that our families that we're taking care of are struggling. And so it's it's been hard. It, it's also been impressive watching my colleagues step up and the compassion and the care that they've been providing um, mm. and just watching how this has broadened the communication across our health system. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there's there's people I've been, because I do disaster management at my hospital, so I've been very involved in our COVID response. Um, there are people I've gotten to know across our health system that I'd never previously worked for. And just, I've gained a lot more appreciation and insight into the job and the niche that they're functioning in. And that's, it's actually improving our health system across the board because we've just established these new connections and ways of doing our work that are benefiting everybody. Yeah. Um, I just, I just can't, I try to imagine someone like yourself who's working on the emergency intervention end of things, just the emotional management you must have to do um, for yourself in terms of giving these kids the, the attention and the empathy they need, but preserving the ability to keep doing it all day, every day. Yeah, it's something called compassion fatigue. Um, that's the definition for when you just get hit with so many traumatic things that you can almost burn out a little bit. Um, I think that for all of us, it's been important to take time to go for walks and to step away for a minute and to reflect and, yeah, for me, hug my kids. Um, knowing that I've been very lucky that I have a, a spouse that's been able to support me while I've been working through this has been just tremendous. Yeah. Well, we talk a lot about the value of routine in, in maintaining mental health, especially for folks who struggle with that sometimes, and especially for kids. If the pandemic has done anything, it has upended our routines. And now we're looking at a school year coming up that could be very confusing and scary. Kids in one region or, or school system might be going into classrooms while their friends in another one are not. Is this a particularly troublesome transition that we're headed toward right now? I, I think there's a lot to be seen in how things go this fall and how this impacts our kids. Um, I do worry about this ongoing disruption to their to their structure and the way that their lives are used to going and their social relationships and, and the long-term impacts this may have on our children. I think it's, it's going to be a really careful balance for everyone involved between the just the, the realities of being still in the middle of a pandemic that is just not improving right now um, versus that need that our children have for structure and normalcy. Um, and there's just going to have to be a lot of very thoughtful conversations to balance, to balance all the needs that we have. Yeah. Something we've talked a lot about in, in recent months is the idea of protecting one's physical health and mental health, and how those two, go two goals can be at cross purposes sometimes, and where to sort of move that crossfader to either side. And uh, this issue of, of school coming up seems like it's really putting that in a spotlight. In terms of in-person in classes versus staying with remote learning, do you have a particular view on that right now? Oh, 
I can go back and forth on those. Um, I think it really depends on the prevalence when school starts up in the community. Um, I think when our kids are in the classroom, it gives them that structure and those relationships, but it puts a lot of strain on our teachers and our kids' families. Um, vice versa, staying at home puts a lot of other stresses on our family and um, and our kids. So it's I don't think it's a, a problem with one perfect and correct solution. I think it's a very nuanced situation. Yeah. Are there, what, what benchmarks are you looking at um, to be able to make that kind of a decision? Um, well, luckily, I don't have to make that kind of decision. But the things that... As an interested professional mind, with an opinion. Yeah, from a purely professional thing. For me, it's really following the data on those schools across the world that have gone back and how children are transmitting this between themselves and particularly whether there is evidence of how frequently children are transmitting this to the adults at the facility and the school that they're at. Um, I think that makes a big difference. If the literature continues to show us that kids are not transmitting this to the adults in their lives, that has a big impact on our ability to open the schools. Because in that situation, you're more concerned about protecting the teachers from each other and the other staff in the building. Um, and so it's a different model versus if we do see that there's spread going on between kids and their and the adults in the school building, that's that's a very different picture and has different implications for how we need to open schools and um, whether we should open the schools. Yeah. Well, we want to be sure to mention this hotline. It's the Youth Connection Helpline, and it's a place to just get started if you want information about how to get some help for your child or yourself in the St. Louis metro area. You can call at any time, 24-7. The number is this. 314-819-8802. If you just want to text somebody, ask how do we get started finding some help, um, you can text the words BE HEARD to the number 23165. Don't reach for that pencil if you're driving. You can find these numbers on our website, stlpublicradio.org. Dr. Charney, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Dr. Rachel Charney is Slucare Pediatric Emergency Medicine Physician at SSM Health Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.